are listening to Free Beers and a Movie. Nice. Hello, welcome to episode 67 of Three Beers and a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and today I am with no one. Uh, so I'm much like Ian Malcolm, sitting by myself, talking to myself. It is the essence of chaos. Um, I'm at home, so I'm unfortunately not drinking. Um, but yeah, everyone else is away and busy and working in, in foreign climes. So for, for one night only, I'll be doing a, a sort of monologue of what we've seen. So this will probably be a relatively brief episode. Um, but we still want to try and make sure we got through everything that is that has been seen um, over the past few days. Or the past week, sorry. Um, so non-cinema viewing, very little has been seen. Um, been far too busy to watch stuff at home and watching stuff in cinemas. Um, so we'll jump straight into the cinema stuff. Um, the first film that was out that I saw... Uh, it was out, it's been out for a couple of weeks now. It's a film called The House with a Clock in Its Walls, uh, directed by Eli Roth, the guy who is probably most well known for directing things like Hostel, um, Cabin Fever, uh, Knock Knock, that was out um, last year, uh, or two years ago, sorry, and the one out this year, Death Wish, he done the, the reboot of, of Death Wish with um, Bruce Willis. Um, but this is not um, a horror film, it's. Um, in the guise of the Amblin Entertainment, if you remember um, all the Amblin films from from years years before, you know things like ET and all that kind, of, um, even Gremlins, maybe, uh, Gremlins and possibly Goonies, um, all kinds of sort of Amblin banner. So it's sort of this idea of like family friendly horror or, or you know things a little bit darker, but it's not going to throw hog into you know into proper scary scary. But it's definitely one to give you shivers. Um, so it's based on a book um, and. Apparently Eli Roth wanted to direct this book, he was a big fan of the book, and he was determined to direct this film. Um, so in the film you've got the main character played by Jack Black, who is an uncle, who takes in his, his young nephew, who's been orphaned by the death of his mother and father. Um, when the boy gets to the house, he realises something's amiss with his, with his uncle, uh, who is actually a, a wizard, or a warlock, and he sets about trying to get trained by his, his uncle, um, at the same time, there's a, an evil presence in the house that's trying to escape and, and trying to you know, basically end the world. Um, his uncle's best friend, as a woman called, is, is his, his next door neighbour, played by Kate Blanchett, who seems to be having a, a really fun time uh, playing this role. Um, you've also the young boy, played by Owen Vaccaro, who I didn't know much of. The only thing I know him from is, unfortunately, from Daddy's Home 1 and 2. You know, anyone who's seen those films will realise it's a bit of a, a slog to try and watch them, but he. He turns up in them and he's obviously making a bit of a career for himself by turning up in this as well. And the big bad um, is played mainly in flashback. Um, you see him as a younger man, but then later on under quite a lot of makeup is uh, Kyle McLaughlin. He plays the, the, the main big bad. Uh, as I said, it's very much in the Amblin family guys, family mold guys. Um, and for that, I, I actually I really quite enjoyed it. It's, it's a fun well done film uh, it's very on the surface enjoyable there's not too much depth to it it could have probably went a lot darker um, if it wanted to particularly with, with Roth and the, the helm of the of the film you know he could have probably pushed it full in the PG-12 you know even within the PG-12 boundaries it does feel like he doesn't quite swing for the fences you know he maybe gets a, you know, gets a, a, a staunch double or maybe even a triple um, I, I feel like he could have done a little bit more with it to make it just that little bit scary. And we think of something like Gremlins, like The Witches. You know, those films are fundamentally pretty creepy and, and at times, you know, quite scary. And um, this never really has that moment when it's like a proper, proper scary, 
you know, could really creep kids out. I don't see anything in this film really particularly going to scare kids that much. Um, so it's probably best thing is to compare it to would probably be um, the Goosebumps film that was out, I think, in 2016, also starring Jack Black, which, again, done a similar idea with the, with the, the, the myths and monsters, um, but it did push it a little bit further, but probably not as far as it could have gone as well. So it's probably, it's, if you like that film, it's, it's a comparison to that. Um, it is, in itself, perfect sort of family viewing, bank holiday viewing, if you're sitting at home uh, on a bank holiday Monday with the kids and, you're, and this is on, you would probably enjoy it as well and the kids would enjoy it as well. So it's, it's, it's a really good, solid family film. It doesn't run overstates welcome. And you're talking maybe pretty much bang on 100 minutes. It's, it's, it's very, very brief and then moves at pace. Um, Jack Black is, again, very funny and he's, he's becoming this... He's, I, I try to describe what he is. He's, he's now he's become a sort of chunky lean man with a sort of kind of almost Doctor Strange look about him in this film. But he, again, he, he holds the film well and he is becoming a genuinely decent leading man and he's, he's moved away from some of the stuff he was doing which was maybe kind of more outlandish comedy to try and um, you know, you know, you know the, the, uh, the stuff he did with like Shallow Hal and all those those kind of movies he's found this kind of niche with uh, Jumanji with uh, Goosebumps with this and he is a good actor if you look at stuff like Bernie you know he, the guy can clearly act so it's nice to see him again you know finding this role um, I'm, um, Eli Roth in an interview I heard recently compared him to Robin Williams he said he is this generation's Robin Williams and it's it's hard to not, not disagree with that and disagree with that in the fact that he, he does have a lot of the same traits as Williams maybe not the same naturally gifted comedian that Williams was but he's definitely got that kind of off the wallness and the, the way he can be a great dramatic actor and also can really switch on the comedy when he is required to do so Um Kate Blanchett also is always she's Kate Blanchett she's excellent she's never bad to be honest Kate Blanchett um, she'll, she'll always deliver um, she seems to again herself seems to really enjoy playing this role she's maybe never been had to do this role before this sort of proper out and out kids movie you know everything else she's done has been very serious very she's had to you know very staunch and I think even Lord of the Rings which was obviously inherently a kids story a kids you know something for you know young young adults to a great degree she is sort of play a very sort of ethereal character. She can't really play it for laughs. And this one, she can very much play it for laughs. She can wink at the camera. She can have a good giggle at it. Um, and she can tell she's hamming it up and she's really enjoying it. Um, the young boy um, is okay. I'm, I'm very always hesitant to, to to talk down characters because they're only just starting out in the business and you don't want to be too you know shitty on them. But I like them. I thought it was decent enough. There's a few moments, particularly when he tries to cry, where you feel that he is really struggling to do that and maybe they could have done a cut away or even just, you know, have him sob rather than trying to bring the, bring the full tears. Um, but mostly, totally okay, totally fine. And a lot of the film does rest on his shoulders because he is he is your your window into the world. So you, you want to kind of believe him. And for the most part, I did. And I was content with him. Um, Kyle McLaughlin, kind of underused to an extent, like, as most villains in these types of films are. Um, he's basically a sneering bad guy and his, his actual story of why he's doing this is muddled and mainly lost which is a bit of a shame um, the film itself also does take a long time to get going, you're not talking about you know, it feels like the first hour although there's, there's funny bits in it because you get to see the, the, the young boy learning how to be a warlock alongside his uncle it just doesn't seem to progress the plot along very quickly and it, seems to, it doesn't seem to go anywhere for any length of time um, because of that, yeah, I feel you're sitting there, kind of going, really wondering what's what's going on, um, and where's it going to get to the main point. Then, because it's taken kind of so long to get to the, the sort of main point of the story, it seems to rush 
the final half hour and the, the sort of big set piece of the film that the, 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 um, the, you know has to do with the actual clock in its walls just it feels a bit rushed and a bit sort of lazy and they, they do put in a couple of kind of good side gags to try and distract you from that but um, I felt they could have done more with the actual story so they plotted it out a little bit better um, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a, a sequel I don't know if there was other books um, in the series it's not really set up as a sequel there's, there's no sort of like no oh and there's also this thing we have to check out it's very much it's a self-contained story um, but I'm sure if they wanted to they could definitely expand this world out and they could they continue adventures of the particularly young boy um, but like I said for the most part it's enjoyable it's pretty throwaway once you've watched it once you probably won't remember too much about it um, but for the time I was for the, the 100 minutes I was in the cinema I was thoroughly entertained I was engaged in it and and, that's, and, and like I said rather enjoyed it um, out of 10 probably a, a very solid 6.5 out of ten, um, which is definitely a recommendation if you if you want to look for something, especially something for kids. It's definitely a good watching. Definitely better than watching some, you know, sort of subpar animation films that are, are you know always doing the rounds. Um, so that was a house of clock in the walk, house with a clock in its wall. It's a really badly titled movie. It's, it's a bit of a mouthful to say, but definitely definitely worth a watch. The second film, which is cinematic in its nature, but unfortunately didn't get a cinema release. Um, it went straight to Netflix, another Netflix original. Um, it's a film called Hold the Dark, um, directed by Jeremy Sonia, who is a big favourite of myself and the other three beers regulars. Um, he directed a film called Murder Party um, for literally, you know, no money. He done it through all favours and handshakes, and you know, it took him a few years to do it. But it's a, a crackingly good sort of mystery and murder movie um, but on top of that he also directed a film called Blue Rune which was out I think four or five years ago which was a phenomenal um, thriller movie which absolutely blew me away when I first saw it um, and I've had to watch it at least once a year ever since, it's just like a great um, so just um, movie about a guy trying to discover um, sorry, sorry, revenge movie um, just sort of slowly unfolds, it's a, a fantastic film and two years ago he directed a film called Green Room uh, starring Anton Yelchin as a punk rocker who's basically accosted and held captive by a bunch of neo-Nazis and he tries to escape them. Again, absolutely fantastic film. Green Room is an amazing film. I absolutely loved it. Loved it so much I even bought a t-shirt from Green Room. That's how much I liked it. Um, so he's a director who I've, ever since, you know, three films that I'm, I pretty much consider all almost, you know, 10 out of 10 classics. I absolutely love them. So very excited about this one. Um Hold the Dark. It's it's a much different story because it's, it's not. So for the first time, it's not direct. It's not um, written by Sonia. It's direct. It's um, written by his um, often cohort, Macon Blair, who is a protagonist in Blue Ruin. Pops up in Green Room as well. Um, but he, he's, he's he's a writer of this film, and it's adapted from a from a book. So it's and because of that, it does. I'm not saying the word lack, but it does definitely. It feels different. From the other Sonia films, that they might feel like sort of his invention. Um, but the basic plot of the film is that. Um, after the deaths of um, like three children in a sort of isolated community, um, suspected to be killed by wolves, uh, the, the mother of one of the children uh, invites a writer down to track the wolves. In order to seek revenge um, on the wolves who have killed the children in the town, um, but at the same time, her ex-husband, um, or sorry, husband who is serving in Iraq, returns home, 
um, and he has other ideas of who's to blame for the the death of his of his child, and from that he, he goes on a, a, his own um, sort of rampage of revenge, as t- Mr. Tarantino would put it. Um, so yeah, that's the basic plot, starring Jeffrey Wright, fresh from looking very confused in Westworld. Um, alongside Alexander Skarsgård, who is also looks always very confused as well. Um, James Badge Dale as well, Riley Keough, and of course Macon Blair also turns up because it is a, a Sonya film. Uh, this is a it's, a, it's an extremely, extremely, as you'd expect from the director of those three films I mentioned before, a really dark, dark movie. Um, it's, it's, it, it revels in the shadows, it revels in darkness, it doesn't want to be seen. Uh, if anything you do see in the light is, is usually pretty brutal and it's and that's why it's in the, the, the light so you can actually see it. Um, it is pretty slow. It, it, it clocks in at well over two hours, maybe two hours and 15 minutes. So it's, it's, a, it's a slow burning film. Uh, it certainly doesn't want to, to rush itself along and, it's, and it takes its time with everything it's doing. Um, and, and it does take, you have to sort of engage with it. You know, it's not one of those films you can sit and sort of maybe half watch. And to its detriment, I think maybe Netflix is not the place for it because of that. You know, when you're watching something on Netflix, there's always that distraction element. You know, you can always look at your phone. You can, you know, you can look at. You can be just what you generally mean to be elsewhere. But if you're in the cinema and this film comes on, your your attention is entirely on it. So that's it could be a, a definite something held against it slightly. Also, very dialogue heavy. Um, characters again are not rushing what they're saying. Every scene is given a chance to breathe and something breathe again and again and again. Um, so when you, you, you are watching it, you, you do have to you know take that time to to let it sort of wash over you. Um, and again, that's where maybe suffers being on Netflix. People who don't have that same attention span when they're watching something on Netflix, as you would if they're watching something in the cinema. Um, what? And amongst this slow sort of methodicalness um, and the dialogue heavy, it is punctuated by acts of extreme violence, which again, if you know these other films, this is absolutely not surprising. He doesn't glorify violence, Sonia, but he does seem to, to, to revel in it to a great degree. You know, he, he, he sort of, he, he treats it in a very real manner. He doesn't take joy from it, but he does lay it down in a very raw, real terms. He doesn't shy away from blood. Um, or guts or gore or just the sheer pain of what violence can cause. So if you're if you're a bit squeamish when it comes to stuff like that, this is probably not the film for you. Um as compared to these other movies, there's a lot more story in it than the other films. You know, Murder Party, Blue Ruin and Green Room have very simplistic, you know, it's almost maybe two strands of stories that just go alongside each other or um, or, or even just or, 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 or told separately, but always converge. This has got a lot more story in it. That you're, you're always trying to constantly keep keep a, a hold on, and just make sure you know where everything is at all the time and where all the pieces are. Probably not dissimilar to something like Three Billboards, um, where there's a lot of story going on there. And you're trying to just make sure you can piece it all together and hold it all together, so when you get to the final act. The other film I compare it to would probably be something like Wind River, um, that was out uh, last year, and um, one with. Uh, Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch. I'm sure our actors have actually got names, um, but same idea, you know. So it's not taking it's same. It seems like a very sort of similar bed film to that. So if you like that film, you'll definitely enjoy this one. In terms of the cast, Jeffrey Wright, I thought was was good. Um, he's one of these actors. He's got a very expressive, sad face. Um, 
but I, I, every time I see him, see him in a film, he doesn't really have a lot to do sometimes. A lot of stuff just seems to always just flow through him, as opposed to him actually getting and meeting the bones of the film. Um, and it's much the same in something like Westworld, when he is in, everything seems to flow through him and he just sort of wanders around very confused. He's not so much confused in this film, but he is sort of the, the conduit through which everything else works. Um, I did the Skarsgård. I'm really not sure how I feel about him. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of unconvinced by him. Like I, I watched him in True Blood when it was first on, and, all, and he is obviously a very handsome man and played that very that, that sort of seductive vampire role very well. Everything I've seen him in since... I'm just, I'm just utterly not convinced by him. I saw him in Mute, um, I saw him in this, I saw him in War on Everyone, uh, also in Tarzan, which I just don't see him as an actor who has that presence on the big screen. But he should, you know, he's a very handsome guy, big guy, you know, he has he has everything going for the movie star looks about him, but just something about him just doesn't, you know, and, and, you know, make me find him that watchable as an actor or something. He, I think he looks, he has maybe one look, and it's quite it's quite deadpan and it's quite straight and it doesn't really seem to have much emotion on top of that. Um, obviously, the man's got time to develop and he does seem to have a certain audience who, who obviously do enjoy him. Um, and not it's not to say he's a, he's bad in this film. He just I've just never really been a hundred percent convinced by him. But I do remain to be seen that he he has got something. Um, like I said, DNA with Wind River. It's very foreboding. It's insanely intense. Um, the rest of the cast: um, James Dale Badge, Riley Keough. All excellent, particularly James Badge Dale, who sort of holds a big crux of the film, is excellent in it. Um, really liked him. Riley Keel sort of disappears from the movie for when you watch it for obvious reasons. Um, but I'd like to see more of her in the film because she is a, a very good actress. Uh, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's well, enjoy is the wrong word to use. I really I found it very engaging. I found it, it's one of the films that does sit with you for a long time after. Um, you certainly don't want to rush through it. I would put it a tad below his other works. Um, definitely below Blue Ruin, definitely below Green Room, which I think are absolute classics, and maybe just on a par with Murder Party, but maybe I'd put Murder Party just, just a touch ahead of it. Um, but Hold the Dark, I'd probably give a solid 8 out of 10, so it's definitely worth watching. Would love to have seen it in the cinema, because I feel like it's a cinematic release, and in the cinema, in the darkness of a theatre, just that the, the landscape and the world will just overflow over you. Whereas in the comfort of your own home, it just it doesn't quite have the same punch. And I feel that's a, I've a few films on Netflix that are like that. Um, particularly the one that was out um, recently, The Annihilation, I think it was. Um, uh, which was a phenomenal movie, but again, it needed a big screen to be able to watch it um, and enjoy it properly. But 8 out of 10, really worth a watch, really cranking film. And it's one of a really good thriller that will definitely hold up in, in years to come. Um, and on to the third film, we've got a bit of a change of pace. It's a film called The Wife, um, directed by a guy called Bjorn Rung, who is a Swedish director, and this is his sort of first major English language, so hasn't to say Western film, but sort of English language film. Um, and the plot of this film is that Jonathan Price is a writer, sort of one of the best writers of his generation, and he has won the Nobel uh, Prize for Literature. So him and his wife, played by Glenn Close, are invited to... Sweden to pick up the award um, and essentially the, the film follows their relationship as she essentially gets fed up of being treated as the wife, you know, she, she's always introduced as here is writer X and his wife um, thrown into the mix, you've got Christian Slater who's sort of a, a journalist who's trying to do a, a biography on Jonathan Price but they, they're pushing against it and he comes in with some revelations regarding the, the life and the, the couple themselves um, also in it is Max Irons, um, he plays the son of 
Glenn Close and, and Jonathan Price. And Elizabeth McGovern plays the, the daughter who's had a very brief role in it, but nice to see her pop up. Um, I would say the reason why I want to see this film, I've heard obviously good things about it because of um, Glenn Close. It's apparently going to get an Oscar nomination for it. We'll go into that in a moment. Um, but part of this film was shot outside my, my place of work, so it was nice to be able to see, like, you know, every day, you know, um, where, I, where I go to work in a, in a different environment because Glasgow is basically in the film doubling for, for Stockholm. Um, all the wide shots appear to be, you know, sort of plate shots from Stockholm, but any sort of, any close ups on streets or people walking, people in taxis, people in, in limos um, appear to all be um, Glasgow. And if you know Glasgow, you'll recognise them. Um, also, a lot of the interiors are, are all filmed around. Uh, Glasgow as well, um, and sort of very classy buildings, and um, yeah, so it's, it's quite cool to see you know Glasgow when it does double as these other European uh, cities. Um, the film itself, I thought was it was a really beautiful piece of work. It, it sort of unfolded all these characters sort of slowly, but not too slowly, but in very um, organic ways. Um, you see the Jonathan Price and the Glenn Close relationship for what it is very early on, and you can you can. From the very first moment, you get a sense that something isn't right, and you're not really sure why something isn't right. Um, you can sort of understand, you can sort of understand where Glenn Close is coming from. But ultimately, you see her behaving sort of differently depending on who she's around. At times, she um, she she takes on the wife role, and other times she's sort of very against it. But then she does play up to it um, at other times, um, but, and it, it does feel you're living in a you're living their life with them but it's a very snapshot of everything that's happened in their life some of the story is told in flashbacks you get to see how they met and how they how they came together and how the relationship built but um you're very much living in this moment this sort of these this week or so um with the couple and because that you do get to see sort of the entire relationship is boiled down to this this one week and you're seeing everything unfold over the, over this week um Glenn Close is fantastic in it because she's Glenn Close and she's pretty much always fantastic. Um, there's talk about getting an Oscar nomination. I would not be surprised she did get one. Um, the film was delayed because of that. They, they, they held back on releasing it until now so she could be in the, the run for, for the Oscars for this year. Um, I think she's been nominated six times already. Um, so this would be her seventh nomination if you got it. I think seventh if you got it. Um, she's never won before. Um, and I can't see why she hasn't got a definite shout with this film. Um, also, Jonathan Price also fantastic as well. You know, he's he's, he's definitely a, the supporting role in the film. Um, this film is called The Wife, so it's very much about Glenn Close. So, but Jonathan Price also excellent. You know, plays a, plays a role very well. Um, and again, he just gives enough at moments when you need to know something is is not right, or or you need to know something going in a certain direction, that you 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 understand why it's going that way, and, and he and he and he pulls that off well. Um, so. The relationship itself between the two, it's, it's you can see genuine love and genuine sort of moments of romance to it, you know, sort of romance to an extent. Uh, but then other times, it's just there's almost seething hatred. Um, a lot of time, you know, it's jealousy. A lot of time, it's it's anger towards the other person for their, you know, what they're doing. But it, it's just it, there's a real there is a, there is an anger, and I suppose all best relationships are there is a sort of to say hate's the wrong word, but there's you know every relationship has that sort of when people get angry, the the passion comes from that. You can certainly see that in in this couple of relationship. Even though at this point you're watching them, you know when they're well in their sixties, possibly seventies, but you can still see that passion and romance and and love and anger is still there. I will note there is a, a, a I want it's an awkward 
opening few moments when there's a, an awkward sex scene between Price and Close that myself watching it in the cinema full of I would probably say I was the youngest person so by a good 20 years was a less than optimum feeling um, watching this um, but it, it definitely gets across the part that these are, these are a little older um, people they're definitely not they've definitely not lost a passion for life um, Slater is underused I would say he does his role that he's supposed to do but he is definitely just a fly in the ointment um, and it seems like a very big actor to have in a role that's essentially barely more than a cameo he does have sort of one extended scene um, with Glenn Close but for the most part he just sort of he walks in and walks out um, and seems a bit of a shame to have such a good actor like him uh, it, it playing playing that role, but I suppose if you can get if you can get Christian Slater to play a role in your movie, then why the hell not get Christian Slater to play a role in your movie? And he is is always excellent. Um, but I would say it's a fantastic, compelling watch. Um, definitely one that you you'll watch once and probably not watch it again because it's 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 not probably your story's not ruined. But once you see it once, you're going to watch the rest of the film in a different way. And um, once the reveal is made. Um, I hadn't seen the trailer for it, but I'm, I'm, I'm led to believe that the trailer gives away some part of the ending, which is a bit of a shame because the ending of the film is, is quite important and, and, and the ending of this film is, is a, an interesting twist, which I did kind of see coming at one point, um, but the actual hammering at home of it, of when you actually find out the truth of it, is not impacted by the fact you might have figured it out, but it might have been ruined if you saw it in a trailer. Um, but yeah, so I would give it again, um, same as um, Hold Dark, a solid 8 out of 10. Really, really good watch, really, really enjoyed it, really fun. Um, and the final film, which I'm just literally just back from seeing, is a film called Skate Kitchen, which was directed by Crystal Mossell, um, who directed a documentary uh, two or three years ago called The Wolf Pack, which is a favourite documentary of mine. There's another member of the Three Beers Club. Uh, Mr. Mackay, who thinks this is one of the worst documentaries he's ever seen, but I think he's an idiot. I think it's a, I think it's a great documentary. If you get a chance to watch it, it's about four brothers who are basically held captive by their parents um, in their own house and they're never allowed out apart from like, you know, the, once or twice a year. And their entire life is built through movies. That's how they see the world is through through movies and they make their own movies, you know, based, just with stuff in their sort of three-bedroom flat that they have in, in New York City. I think it's a great film, but other people on this podcast disagree. And the plot of this film is basically there's a young girl living in Long Island who is a skater girl and she so she goes into the city to meet a skate troupe who are called the Skate Kitchen, who are a real real troupe. All, all the kids in this all the kids in the skate kitchen troupe are all the real kids who actually do skate around the streets of New York and they do tricks and do all skatery things. Um, she gets integrated with them. And her life changes because of that, and she gets to know people in New York and gets to, to see how the, sort of the other people live. Um, and she becomes more and more invested in this group, and her life becomes more and more changed because of that. Um, definitely sort of a coming of age story. Um, like, there's not much in the, the film in terms of um, big actors. Probably the biggest actor in it, and the biggest name actor, is Jaden Smith, Will Smith's son. Um, even his role is it's limited compared to the role of the, of the actual troupe himself. And he is, like I said, he has the biggest name in it, but it's very much not a named actor film. Um, yeah, for me, it's a well-crafted, beautifully told coming-of-age story. Um, not dissimilar to something like um, Boyhood that was out a few years ago, or even Edge of Seventeen. Um, it, it captures just a moment in this girl's life. It's literally over a summer. 
and you get to see her, you know, change from being this sort of the sort of very shy suburban kid, you know, to live in the big city and have to deal with all the things the big city can throw at her. Um, and it tells the story of someone finding their tribe, or you know, just really, really well. And, and everyone who, everyone grown up has that moment to find the people in life who are into what they're into. And it makes such a big point in a moment in your life to know that you're not the only idiot who likes something. You know, the other people are the same as you. Um, what where the interest comes from, and probably interest in life in general, is when their interest in that is just one part of their life, and then you want to feel so belong to that part of their life that you end up doing things that you wouldn't want to do. And that's where the film starts to starts to take you. Um, we've seen. Uh, the, the sort of the lead been taken and, and Rich maybe she probably wouldn't want to go and, and maybe shouldn't go um, but it's all part of that coming of age when she's got to live and, and learn and, and understand the world um, I would single out of the skate kitchen troupe uh, Nina Moran um, who, who plays uh, one of the girls in the, the troupe um, and I thought she was fantastic and you recognise in the film if you watch it she's wearing like a banana t-shirt and she's always got a backwards hat on um, she's she for me was a standout member of the group. I thought she was really funny, brought a lot of heart, brought brought a lot of warmth to the role, um, and a lot of anger to it as well. And I, I really dug her as a character, and it'd been interesting to see if she takes it. I think if she takes on acting in any way, because I'm guessing in this film she's playing very much a sort of caricature of herself, and whether or not she can actually do anything else other other than this. Um, it shoots New York in a really non-touristy way. There's I can't think of a single shot in the film. That was part of like sort of you would imagine as a tourist shot. Um, I think I can maybe one shot of Empire State Building, but other than that, it's all it's very much on the surface, on the street level, um, and it's all sort of little areas in New York that you've probably never seen before. And I really like that because New York is it's a massive city, and obviously you've, we've all seen uh, on film for years, um, and it seems always they're all shooting the same areas over and over again. This definitely is the places where you probably. You, not going to see, you're not going to recognise, and it does seem like a different New York. It doesn't even seem you get the you get the dirtiness and the the nastiness and the chaos of New York, but it just still it does feel like a different New York. Um, some of the tracking shots of the the, the guys skating is are absolutely beautiful to watch. Just lovely, lovely tracking shots when you get to see a lot of movement. It's very fluid camera work, and it just it really brings the, the entire film to life, and it brings the entire city to life. You see them skating through this city, and it's, it's a really just really cool to see on the big screen. Um, story itself is pretty simple, you know. It's girl finds tribe, girl loves you know being with the girls. Then boy comes along and boy mixes up things and more than he should do, and she has to choose between the girls and the you know, you know going after the boy. Um, everything is resolved to my belief pretty simply, maybe a little bit too simply. Um, particularly the story with her with her mother, which um, I think wraps up a little bit too easily and become and. It just it didn't feel quite as natural as it could have been, but there is always an argument that you don't seen a snapshot of this girl's life. It could be, you know, in three weeks the the, the mother and daughter follow it again, but you'll never know about it because you're not seeing that 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 that, that this was one segment of her life. Um, but other than that, I thought it was an absolutely fantastic watch. Really enjoyed it. Really compelling. Looks beautiful. Looks stunning. Um, and I'll be really interested to see what um, Crystal Marcel um, you know, does next and where, where her career goes. Um, I give it a solid 7.5 um, out of 10. And that is pretty much it um, for this week. Thank you for listening to me. Um, I've been monologuing on. Um, next week out, there's not a lot out. 
Um, Night School is still out because it is the biggest film in the cinemas, both um, in America and the UK, which is well, pretty insane, but we still want to see that. Venom is out this week. It's, it's out, unfortunately, just after we record this, so uh, we're talking about Venom next week, hopefully with Colin or um, Barry. Um, and also A Star Is Born is out um, next, next week, this week as well, but again, out after we record the, uh, the podcast. Um, and again, hopefully we'll talk about that next week. And the only kind of new, new film that's out on Friday is Johnny English Strikes Again, which, for my money, I am a fan of the Johnny English series, probably shouldn't be. I think Brown Atkinson very, very funny, um, and I'd much rather watch a Johnny English film than watch any Bond movie, but that's just my own personal opinion. Um, but other than that, if you want to talk to us, you want to say hi to me, because I've, clearly I've got no friends right now, um, you can get us on 3 beers in a movie at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, and we're on Instagram at 3 beers and a movie. Um, but hopefully next week I'll have friends to talk to and, and this won't be quite as short and quite as, as rambling um, as I am today. Um, but thanks for listening. You've been listening to Richard Laird and we are... <laughs>